welcome everyone to episode 26 of Today in the Scene. I'm Joe with Indie Arcade Wave, and this week we're going to be jumping into a, um, I guess unique is one way to say it, um, a very unique fighting game that actually has too many buttons for me to count. I, I, I honestly don't even know how many buttons it is. I'm assuming it's 100. Um, but we're speaking with the creator today, Amanda Hudgens. Um, how are you doing today, Amanda? I'm doing all right. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking a little while about getting this interview set up, and I'm, I'm really glad you were finally able to make it and everything lined up for us. Um, let's just jump right in and go into who you are and what you do. Okay, so um, as you said, my name is Amanda Hudgens. Um, I'm a game designer and sort of maker of things is probably a good generic way of putting it. Uh, and I make and I make a bunch of different sort of art installations and projects and game development things out of central Kentucky specifically. And uh, the project I'm best known for is Sententable, which is also known as the Thousand Button Project, but it was originally called the Thousand Button Project and is now called Sententable. And I was, oh, I also did another uh, installation that Kotaku wrote about last year where you um, smash guitars on a stage, like actual acoustic guitars. Interesting. Called One Night Only. But yeah, that's me. I like um, large um, maximalist uh, game design that doesn't make any sense. And then I actually work for a game studio in Kentucky that works in a bunch of different games called Super Soul. Yeah, okay. So it sounds like you're you're in the game development zone, and I know there's a bunch of other stuff you do as well. Um, take yes. me into Sententable a little bit. How did this project start? Well, um, so uh, Kentucky has a a decent sized uh, game development scene, but specifically, we have a thriving alternative controls scene. And alternative controls is a specific sort of niche subsection of uh, game developments specifically targeted at unconventional controllers. And so a couple of years ago, we partnered with a local uh, children's museum, for lack of a better word, called the Living Arts and Science Center in downtown um, Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, we run a two-month art show. We've done it every year except for this one. obviously. Uh, we do it every year and we basically run a two, two month art show at their, at their, um, gallery. And, uh, what happened was, is I wanted to make a fighting game that had too many buttons. Basically, I wanted to get that feeling of when you're like eight and you go over to your cousin's house for the first time and they have Mortal Kombat, and your parents wouldn't allow you to get fighting games, so you don't know how to play, and it feels like the controller has too many buttons. I wanted to have that feeling, but on the largest possible scale. And So So you wanted to go for a a button masher, basically. It It is a button masher in the purest possible sense. I mean, that's how I feel about a lot of fighting games. I'm not good at them, and I'm not going to hesitate to admit that. Oh, no, I'm terrible Um, at them. I am always the person that just low kick, low kick, low kick, low kick, low kick. It's just um, it's easier to just spam one button over and over. Specifically for me, there was a there's a character in um totally forgot the game. 
because that, that's how out of the scene I am. There's a character called <laughs> Keelik. I think it's in Soul Calibur. Yeah, it's Soul Calibur. I played him a lot. Keelik has a staff, and you can yep. just, like, same button, and you can just, like, poke people in the face with it. And it's perfect. It's the only bu- it's the only character I played. And I'm that kind of character. I'm that kind of player. And it's really funny because I've now shown I've now shown this this game everywhere. And people are always like, oh, you must be such a big fan of fighting games. I'm not. Like <laughs> I have no I have no knowledge of fighting games at all. That's funny. I he's like the only character I really played in that too, other than maybe Nightmare. Um and I'm I'm not big into fighting games either, but Yours really caught my attention. And I know you worked with uh, Mark and the guys over at Death by Audio yeah. who we've spoken to. Um, I want to talk about the cabinet design in a little bit here. Can you take me through how you made the game and what is the goal of the game? Like, how does how does a normal game unfold? Well, um, so the... I would say that the first part of the game was really the controller. And so the controller itself is a, it's actually an Ikea's, it's actually an Ikea children's table. Uh, it's just a big coffee table looking thing and it has a hundred buttons. I hand drilled them. I do not recommend that. Uh, <laughs> and then it's epoxied on the top and it's got a hundred buttons in it. And I wanted, and I had that mental image in my head of I wanted something with too many buttons in it. And then from there it was like, oh, what's the game going to be? And we had a bunch of different ideas of like, oh, if what if you pressed a button and then it was a different game every time? And then the logical thing was, no, what if each person gets 50 buttons and each button does a different thing, but it does a different thing every round. So, for example, uh, the top left button in round one will be a punch this round, but the next round it could uh, change your fighter into a different color or it could alter this alter the uh, mix for the audio or it could drop a cardboard box on your head and those are all actual things that the game will do and those are all options there are i think 88 possible combinations for 50 buttons and it'll randomly mix them in and so that's the basic gist of it and there are three rounds and the idea is ideally you should get to three, you, you should get to three rounds. Like one person should win one, another person should win the other one. It's best two of three, basically. And so you should hit three rounds. We don't want someone to only play two rounds because that doesn't feel right. You want that sensation of, oh gosh, I am, I'm going to win or I have a chance at winning. You want that feeling. And honestly, I've played this game probably a thousand times and you you get it more often than not it's it's a very difficult game to uh master because it's random it's truly random it's random every time yeah i mean you can't really master combinations (laughs) if the buttons change on you every single time and you don't know where they are um you said that it came from an ikea table is where you built the original hundred button system yes um, can you take me through the step of like your prototypes all the way up to working with Death by Audio? Like, what were your yeah. different iterations, and what kind of different cabinets do you have? Um, let's see. The very first one was built out of a uh, a cedar coffee table. It had sixteen buttons um, because when I told my partner that I wanted to build a thousand button, because it was going to be a thousand, 
that was my first idea was I wanted that to is so many buttons. <laughs> I still want to build one with a thousand, but it's going to be like a mech game. Like that's my ultimate goal. I think it would be great, but separate conversation, <laughs> but, uh, cause I'm now the button person. That's like my thing. Um, people have sent me buttons. Side note. Uh, the, um, so the first one was like a cedar chest because my partner was like, you've never actually built anything with buttons before because I hadn't. So I built a little 16 button fight stick and we hooked it up to I think killer instinct and made like a 16 button randomized fighter. Uh, and then I built a, uh, then I built the hundred button sententable, the one that, the one that's toured everywhere in, in the continental U S the, the primary board, that one's built up out of an Ikea table. And then I bought another Ikea tabletop and uh, cut that puppy in half. And so it folds in half. And uh, that has another, that actually doesn't, it has a hundred buttons now. It had, it only had 88 for a while. That's Sententable Championship Edition. That one folds up and goes into a suitcase and that one is the one I take internationally or anywhere where I have to travel on a plane or on a, uh, like on a train. Like when I did Train Jam, I built, uh, that was the original reason I built that board, actually. So that guy folds up. Um, there's actually a video on YouTube of me assembling and disassembling and reassembling the board. It takes about five minutes. And then um, in, oh God, uh, I would say 2019, I was in the chat with Wonderville because I'm, I'm in their like, um, I'm in their, uh, like their Slack. And uh, they were like talking about what game they wanted to make for, because every year they make a new game for MAGFest. They build a new arcade cabinet. And um, I was like, well, if y'all weren't a bunch of cowards, you'd build mine. Oh, you called him out. <laughs> I was kidding. Because I was, because I, because like it is, it's a pain, it's a real pain in the ass, honestly. Like, because I've, I've now built this thing so many times and like I've disassembled and reassembled it. And I was kidding. A hundred percent I was kidding. Because like it is, it's a hundred buttons and I knew it was going to be a pain. And I really didn't think that they were going to do it. And then I think it was Mark contacted me like a week later and he was like, I think we're going to do it. And I was like, really? <laughs> Because I think that they contacted me in, like, November. It was really close. And, like, again, I've built this thing a bunch of times, so I was really surprised that they were, like, it was a really tight, it was really tight schedule. But they built it. And they finished the assembly at uh, MAGFest of this year. And now it's at Wonderville. I If you can go to New York during a pandemic... And, and play it. I haven't actually played it, the arcade version, but I hear, I had someone tell me on Instagram that it was their favorite game at Wonderville, which was very high praise, which is really cool because there are some really amazing games at Wonderville. Um, but it's a lovely, it's a lovely uh, little cabinet they built. Um, they hired an artist uh, who I think just happened to, like, I can't remember her name, but I think she, or I think it's, a, I think it's a she. Um, like she happened to be in the building. They were just like, oh, because I, I draw and I paint on all of my boards to give them like this, 
to give them each a certain amount of style. And they're like, oh, we want to copy that. We want to like do something. And obviously I can't like paint on it because they're in New York and I'm in Kentucky. And so they hired someone to do it and they did a really great job. It looks way more professional than any of mine. Yeah, the board is really cool. It's really lovely. And theirs is also like foldable and transportable and which is really handy. Yeah, so you've mentioned a handful of times, and the guys over there are awesome. They build great cabinets. You're right. There are a ton of games in Wonderville, and Mm -hmm. the cool thing about it is they're all indies, but I know when you said that, they definitely picked it up as a challenge because they (laughs) sent me all their work. They sent me like an 800-page folder, and it had like, they turned, they made an arcade cabinet in the shape of a wedding cake. Like, it seems like they'll take on anything. So I'm wondering about your game and where you've taken it. You mentioned that you've gone international and on a train tour can you walk me through some of those conventions and what they were like oh yeah so um let's see um oh gosh so the very first place i took it was um bitbash which is a an indie show out of chicago um which was basically the first show i'd ever shown anything at that was like not a home show like which is pretty cool uh, well, I, I did a PAX a couple of years ago with like a narrative game, but it was the first show I'd done basically by myself um, was like a bit bash. And then I was like, oh, cool. I'll just like submit to a couple of other shows and I'll see if they're interested. And basically everywhere said yes. So I just took it everywhere. So um, it's been to, uh, let's see, because basically I have no... I have no filter. If you will, if you'll cover any cost at all, I'll, I'm there. And Why like, not take a trip? Yeah, and like especially like if it's within, and I am, and I'm, I'm a Midwesterner, so I have a very rough definition of the word of like the words driving distance. So like, yeah, we're for, I'm from Minnesota, so I I, I feel you on that. So, like, for example, um, uh, I got accepted to a show in Wisconsin. Yeah, Madison, Wisconsin in February. And they were like, oh, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, that seems fine. And so I drove to Madison, Wisconsin in February. And it was... That's a hike in February. Yeah, and I didn't realize that until I got there. And there were people, like, fishing on the ice. I didn't know people did that. Yeah, they they do that up here. <laughs> I didn't know, and so like that was that was a show. So I did that one, and then um, let's see, I drove to Toronto for Hand Eye Society. Um, obviously, I've done Magfest a couple of years. Um, uh, one so one year I wanted to take it to GDC, but I didn't really get accepted into any shows necessarily. Um, but I wanted to take it to GDC, so I built the travel version of the board. And I was going on Train Jam, so um, I built a giant backpack for it and a travel board, and I took it on the train. Uh, we actually made uh, games on the Train Jam for it, uh, which was great. And there's some really cool pictures I have of it on Train Jam of just, like, the incredible scenery of, like, Western United States in the train windows and then, like, my bright pink board, like, on a table. And when I got there, I would basically gorilla set it up anywhere. 
like I would go to shows like there was a there was like a I think a Devolver digital show and I just like set it up on the floor <laughs> like if you had a TV or like a laptop and I had a laptop if you had a laptop I would just like plug in and so I did that a couple different places and then um I got accepted into out of index which was in South Korea and I got accepted into um, Feral Vector, which is a show out of uh, uh, England, a place, called, a place called Hebden Bridge, which is I think outside of Manchester. And then um, a Pixel Pop. Uh, oh, God, I've been so many places. Oh, at a Smithsonian. I showed at the Smithsonian uh, in 2019. So... Yeah, I mean, basically, if you, like, I had to start, I didn't quite, I think, I yeah, I mean, I think I've, I've semi-retired it, I say, but if someone asked, I'd probably take it out again. Like, I decided that once Wonderville, like, made the arcade version of it, that I was kind of retiring, <laughs> like, traveling with it, because I love it, but also, like, the original Ikea version, like, it's... Ikea board, Ikea tables aren't really designed to be taken apart. And I have to disassemble the table every time I take it somewhere. Like, I have to take the legs off. And so it's starting to get really wobbly. And so it really can't be taken apart and uh, uh, many more times. Like, I'm starting to strip, strip the screws. Well, it sounds like to me you need to make a new board for traveling. Well, I have I have another board for traveling. I have the I have the travel board, but it just doesn't have the same impact. Right. So, let's see. Of those conventions that you've gone to, I mean, you already said that you've gone all over the world. Which yeah. one? I know it's gonna be a hard question to answer because <laughs> I struggle even with the ones that I've gone to. Which one was your favorite, and for what reason? Oh man. Um... I feel like the answer always has to be out of index, which was the show in South Korea. And it's mostly just because it was one of my first, I can't remember if it was my first international show. Cause I can't remember timeline wise, if, if hand eye society was right before, or right after um, it, 2018 was a weird year because I basically did like uh, 14 or 16 shows in a, that year. And like one month I did like, I did like, I did like Korea, then West Virginia, then I did like three shows in two weeks, uh, including Korea. And in the case of Korea specifically, um, they gave me one month notice for for that show. Uh, And so I didn't have time to ask off for work. So I left Kentucky on Thursday night, flew in basically arrived there like Friday evening, their time, stayed, like did the show, left Sunday midday their time, arrived here at 5 a.m. and then went to work because we had to launch, we had a launch uh, for a project that Monday. So like it was um, a little bit stressful, but the show itself was, um, was really amazing because they're, they were really chill. They were really cool. Um, they had, they, they told me I was going to do a talk, but they were, they were kind of overstating it. What they meant was they just took me in front of the room and complimented me for 20 minutes. <laughs> and then, uh, 
which is what which is what the translator told me they were going to do like right as I was going up she goes it's not a talk they're just going to tell you why they picked you your game which means they're just going to compliment you for 20 minutes and I was like oh okay which is what they did everyone was really happy to play the game and um they also um they had partnered with an architecture studio and so the architecture firm had um basically built my game a like a uh, like a surrounding area like it's hard to describe but they had basically built it like its own like display so they built you like a like a booth kind of thing they it kind of but like it was it was really unique to it like it perfectly it perfectly suited it like it was it was the right size to hold the travel board perfectly like it was just the right size because they asked me for the dimensions beforehand so it was perfectly shaped for it like so it wouldn't slip off and then like it was framed so that in all the pictures it looks really great because it's designed exactly for the dimensions and so there's a projector behind it and everything looks really good it's some of the best pictures I have of my board are from that show just because of how well it did and also just like I don't know they did really well about like I got to talk to like international press which I haven't done any other time and it was just really cool and I don't know. I got to talk to a random like teachers, like like a, a bunch of like English teachers. I don't know why, but there was that was another weird thing. But it was a really good show. Like I love all the shows I go to, but that one sticks with me a lot. Yeah, I mean, it must have been such a unique experience. I mean, being in—I don't know if you've been to Korea. I I haven't. So that was the first time I'd been to Korea. I've been to Japan before. Um, but that was the first time I'd been to Korea. I would definitely go back to Out of Index, but yeah, that was, and and Korea in general. So with you having gone to the Korea convention, we now know it's one of your favorites. What were some of the biggest differences you noticed between um, international conventions and American conventions? I mean, the, the ones I've been to internationally, so I obviously haven't been to any of the really big ones, but... Um, all the smaller conferences I've gone to, all the international conferences I've gone to are all really um, small and like really tight knit in a, and really like focused on like these like communities and like more of like the, the artistic, like kind of the artistic merit. And that might just be the ones I'm going to, to be totally fair. But, like, all the shows I go to in um, the U.S. are very focused on, um, you've made this thing, how are you going to sell it? Like, no one at Feral Vector or Out of Index asked me where I was going to sell my game, which is, first of all, a patently ridiculous question. It is 100 buttons. Um, Not exactly a sought-after game. um, You have no idea how many times people have asked me that question. But nobody at an international show has ever asked me that question. Actually, I don't even think at the Hand Eye Society event, which was in Toronto, nobody has ever asked me that question at an international show. And um, that's probably because all of those shows are very art focused. Like their intention is look at these beautiful art things. Aren't they really artistic and interesting? Like, isn't this really cool? Like, isn't this lovely? And I don't know. It was, it's just a very different kind of culture i mean feral vector was also like being 
I don't know, at like a summer camp that wants to hug you. Like, it, Feral Vector has a very different vibe from literally any show I've been to. They had like uh, live action role playing games where uh, your mother's new boyfriend is Tom Selleck. Um, and like you run around in the woods and it was a, a great show, but like, you're definitely not going to get that at like a, a PAX or right. a MAGFest in the, in the U S and I mean, I've been to small shows even in the U S like pixel pop or West Virginia game developers expo or any other number of small shows. And they've, never felt the way that a small uh, that an international show is felt in that regard that's really interesting that you bring that up as one of the biggest points you pulled out of the show was how are you going to sell this as opposed to people not asking that because going to the conventions that i've gone to with galactic battleground that's almost always what you get asked is people are mm-hmm. wondering what you're gonna how you're gonna sell it and i feel like a lot of the american shows are also showing off like redemption games and stuff like that. I mean, there's a handful that I've been to that aren't like that, but yeah. we went to a big one in um, Vegas and that's all it was is you could tell that the majority of the people that were there run businesses and they're looking for stuff to put in their business. So there was always yeah. the question of how much is it? How am I going to get it there? And it's, it just feels so buy, 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 and people aren't really enjoying the game. So if, if it doesn't seem like it's going to make a money right away, they just walk by. And I mean, there's a, I get that it's a business. Um, and like, again, like I, I work in indie development, right? Like, so I have, we have marketability, like I've done marketable projects. Like I understand that. Um, there's precisely nothing marketable about my game. (laughs) Sometimes you want to just do something for fun. Yeah. And like, it seems really obvious to me, like when you look at it, but I had, um, I won't say his name, uh, but I had a guy who runs a, uh, a large fighting game, uh, convention come up to me and tell me that like, I needed to consider monetization strategies for my game. And I was like, cool. What do you think those are? And he could just ask him. Yeah. Because like, I mean, if he's got some, I'd love to hear it. He had none. Um, he just wanted to tell me that I was wrong. Uh, cause that's the thing. Like they, they just want to, they just want you to like have, I never had so many people concerned about my, about my, um, economic welfare until I started making art games. <laughs> so I'm curious to jump back into Sententable. Yes. What was your favorite thing about the project? Like what really... Looking back on it, what were what are you really, really proud about doing with it? Um, mostly working with other people, honestly. Like, it's something that gets frequently, like, overlooked in the project. A lot of people think that it's a thing I made on my own because, in a lot of respects, it is um, a project where I'm, where I'm, it's my big, it's my big dumb button, baby. Like, I am seen as the person who made it. And physically, in a lot of ways, I did. Like I, I, blood, sweat, tears. I lit the thing on fire once, um, all that. But um, the 
I really appreciate that the project allowed me to sort of build this community of things. Like, so the studio that I work for, um, Super Soul, actually built the game that's on it um, when I was in Hawaii. Like, I was on vacation. Like, the I told them what game, like, we talked about the game beforehand. Like, we talked about the design, everything. We had discussed it. And when I came back, I did changes to it and stuff. But, like, I didn't, like, the game is something that was made mostly by the studio that I work with, that I work for. So, like, that wouldn't exist without them. Or, like, um, my partner helped me with a lot of, like, late nights and, like, building it. But also, like, I have friends who have now traveled across the country with me to show this. Like, I had a, I had a couple of friends go with me to Canada to show this. Like, sat in a car with me for 12 hours. Uh, my mom actually went with me to Korea so that she could uh, help show the game with me in Korea. And that's really cool to me. It's just mostly that sort of weird community. Like I definitely wouldn't have met the death by audio guys if I hadn't have made this game. Right. Cause like before this, I was making like narrative games about oppression, which I still am, but like, um, those don't really get you into like fun, exciting shows. Nobody wants to play your narrative game about oppression at MAGFest. Nobody puts right, that yeah. into an it arcade game. A, a new, a new avenue to show your art. Yeah, and that's that's cool that you had so many people come with you, and your mom got to go to South Korea. So it's like yeah. you built something, and you got to bring these other people on the journey along with you. And that community and that team is such a big thing. That's what I love about the community that I've I've found through the indie games, as well as the guys that I work with. Yeah, so it's like the community that I that I built and also the community, the, the community that I built like around the actual project and also the community of people that I've like met through the project. Like, because legitimately when I started this, I had basically zero arcade building knowledge at all. Like, um, I did not know what wire crimping was, um, until 2018, which is alarming because I built the first board in 2016 and so it explains why there were so many fail rates beforehand um because i was just kind of uh not crimping them properly uh <laughs> because I, nobody had told me i was right, guessing. Just learning as you go yeah and like uh one of the one of the guys in the alternative control scene was talking to me at a show and he's like what do you mean like <laughs> like and i was like well nobody told me and so he like sat me down and like showed me like what to buy and like how to properly use it which is like great but like yeah that's my fail rates went down way more <laughs> after that that's good you got help from the community and they taught you how to do everything and helped you improve on your project yeah i mean you're you're never going to be amazing at first blush and like i'm my degree is in english literature like, I do not have a background in this. Yeah, you just decided to try it out and give it a go. 
Yeah. So before we wrap everything up, I want you to shout out uh, any social media that they can check the game out or play the game. I believe I found a site where you can play it. You can. Um, as well as any shout outs to anybody that has helped you out along the way. Oh, that's a lot of people. Okay, so um, the best place to find me is at Barely Concealed on Twitter. It's just the easiest way to find me. Uh, my primary website is amandathrows.rocks. Um, the website for the board is buttonsr.cool. Um, if you are checking out the amandathrows.rocks website, there should be an itchio.link which will take you, there's like a sententable thing there. You can download it. If you have four USB keyboards, you can play it. <laughs> uh, you will need four USB keyboards uh, to play the whole thing. Um, I don't know 100% if the, uh, we had it, we had, they showed it in, show, they showed it in Colorado, so it should work. Um, let's see what else. Um, people have helped me, uh, Jetpack Fandango on, uh, Twitter, who is, uh, uh, my partner and then, uh, Super Soul, uh, studio, which is the studio I work for on Twitter. Um, we're also super helpful. And then of course, if you check out the death by audio guys or Wonderville, who are also super rad. I think that's awesome. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll throw all those links down in the description so that anybody that is interested can find them. Um, and I just wanted to thank you again for coming on here, Amanda, and chatting about this game. Um, and we will be back next Friday with another episode. If you guys like what we're doing here at Indie Arcade Wave, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, the like button, leave us a comment, uh, share everything with your friends. Um, and until next time, peace.